0: Welcome to this episode of WikiWalks, a short podcast devoted to some of the more intriguing and, huh, who knew, articles that you can run across in the weird world of Wikipedia. I'm your host, Chris Grismer. If you're the final person to leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I'll buy you a Coke. We begin our story where you've probably had one of your first email addresses. Ah, you always remember your first. Yahoo.com. Sure, you've probably moved on from the Yahoos at Yahoo, but one of their earliest products lives on to both torment you and keep you safe at the same time. In the early days of the internet, the free email service game was the Wild West. As a former Juno and Net Zero subscriber, let me be the first to say that at this time, literally nobody knew what was going on. Well, that is, except spammers. Somehow, way, they've always been ahead of the curve. Stop calling me about an expired car warranty for a car I've never owned! OMG, I hate you! Yahoo Mail was particularly ripe for the picking, and spammers weren't just signing up for a dozen or so emails. Oh no, they were signing up for millions upon millions of email addresses. And then they would use these addresses to hawk whatever the scam du jour was. Nigerian Prince windfalls, fake surveys, get-rich-quick schemes... Email services faced stiff competition when it came to stopping the near-endless supply of fake Viagra dealers. It was a nightmare, and they didn't know how to prevent it. They were soon approached by a young entrepreneur named Luis von Ahn, who had himself an idea to combat the nefarious neer His idea was to make a test that could distinguish between humans and computers, but also a test that is graded by the computer. Odds are, if you've been on the Internet before you've run into a strange box that, before you could click through to the next screen, would ask you to identify a crazy, squirmy, borderline legible sequence of letters and numbers. This is that test. The chief scientist at Yahoo loved the idea, and within just a few weeks, it was part of the registration procedure at Yahoo for all new accounts. But what to name this silly thing? What would make sense? Something short and snappy would be good. Or maybe something intensely long and bizarre. Or why not both? So they settled on CAPTCHA, or Completely Automated Public Turing Test to Tell Computers and Humans Apart. Sure! For a little background, a Turing test is a famous old idea in computer science, put forth by noted British scientist Alan Turing. It's a test where you try to tell if you're chatting with a computer or with a human being. If a computer can consistently make you think it's a human being, well then that's artificial intelligence. It passes. It's entirely possible you're familiar with CAPTCHAs. It's also equally as likely that you loathe the CAPTCHA. However, the CAPTCHA, if I say that one more time, I'm going to lose my mind, was used for more than just deterring criminals. In fact, it was used to digitize nearly all the books on the Internet and the entire 170-year history of the New York Times. What? Eventually, nearly 200 million people a day were filling out CAPTCHAs. That's crazy! Each time someone signed up for a Facebook account, or a Gmail account, or registered for the Frank Abagnale fan site CAPSMeIfYouCan.net, boom! CAPTCHAs abounded. And through it all, the populace was protected from scam artists and spammers and scalpers and just the utter dregs of online society, for however annoying it might be to complete. Vanon got to thinking and wondered if there was a way to make some utility out of the 10 seconds people labored in filling out these silly little Turing tests. Could this be monetized, beyond what Yahoo and others were paying to license the technology? Well, this being the mid-2000s, there was an enormous push to start digitizing literature, and Google Books set out to put everything online, particularly any written words existing in the public domain. Google wanted to catalog it, but... A lot of old papers and documents, while easy to scan, weren't easy to read if you were a computer. They were essentially just junk images with no discernible text. It didn't look like a perfect Times New Roman in dark black ink on a stark white background. Real life is much messier. But enter the humans. Keep in mind, CAPTCHA is producing a half a million hours of free human labor a day. Talk about a gold mine. So, Luis rebrands his company as ReCAPTCHA and starts to sell his services to companies looking to digitize their written works. Fortunately for him, at a talk he gave, the chief information officer for the New York Times was in attendance. At the time, the, uh, Times had a 130-year archive that was just sitting there waiting to be digitized, and doing that with paid labor would be brutally expensive and time-consuming. The New York Times ended up being ReCAPTCHA's first client. Now when you solve a CAPTCHA, next to a few random letters and numbers, there was also a picture of a word from an old issue of the Times that the computers couldn't read. When you typed in that word, you weren't just protecting the internet from spam, you were also helping to turn 100 years of old newspapers into a searchable digital archive. Google heard about this, of course, and did what Google does and straight bought reCAPTCHA to start creating their digital book archive. Google would then show pictures of street signs and other images captured on Google Maps and Street View that the computer couldn't figure out. Oh, but the masses signing up for eHarmony profiles could. So Luis was no longer in the capture world, although he probably could buy his own island at this point. But not content to sit idly by, he kept his business model of do something, but it turns out that something is actually monetizable labor, and started a language company where people did online translation while they were learning the language. He called that little venture Duolingo. Now he can probably buy an island for his island. However, it's hard to keep a good spammer down, and eventually they started their own microeconomy of CAPTCHA breakers. These spammers would hire firms to solve CAPTCHAs, just hours and hours a day, for fractions of pennies to solve and figure out what a CAPTCHA says. If you thought your job sucked, no. No, friends, this. This is rock bottom. Spammers would pay about 80 cents per 1,000 CAPTCHAs solved. Oi! If you've ever gotten to the page where it asks you to identify buses or lights or pizzas or cars or bikes, you are now the human labor teaching Google's machine-learning hive mind what things look like. When you search through your Google photos for the word shoe and find a picture of an airwalk skater shoe you took three years ago, or Google image search begonia, Google is uniquely qualified to identify those items because it's been taught by billions of tests being taken by an unwitting and unpaid labor pool. So, I know it sounds cliche when you hear it, but the next time you sit down to open your Gmail or search the magnificence of the World Wide Web and wonder how all these products could be free, just realize it is you, dear listener, who is the product.